North Wilkesboro. So whenever he says way up yonder, you're not too far removed from Wilkes County. But uh, it is a blessing to be back with you guys, and uh, I appreciate it. Ricky, I appreciate your friendship. Several of you from here have uh, befriended us through Facebook, and I won't call names, but some of you will text me at 4 a.m. in the morning <laughs> and send me messages. Ain't that right, brother? And uh, I, I'm usually up, so if you feel like texting me at 4 a.m., you go ahead and text me. Send me a Facebook friend request or whatever. But uh, it's a blessing to be back with you folks. How many of you were not here the last time that I was here back in the spring? I got a few hands going up. Well, let me just remind you this. If you don't know me or you don't remember my name, you've not really missed a whole lot. But if you miss the one that I will tell you about tonight, uh, you'll miss the greatest friend that you could ever have. That's a fact. I do count Brother Steve Pope a dear friend in the ministry. It's good to have one of my young preachers, Brother Chris Shumate, and one of my deacons here tonight. I'll have to get on to them for skipping our service tonight, but I appreciate what you said about not celebrating Halloween. We do not celebrate the evil of all hallows. We don't celebrate evil, but it should not be a detriment or a harm or hurt to your people or your children for being in the Lord's house. So you give them some candy, and we know that every good, he said it was what kind of candy? Good candy. So every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Is that right? Now, I need a definition on young because he said, 44, we got to get higher than that. A little bit more. Brother Ricky said, it's 44 or under. And I said, you got to do better than that. He said, 50. I said, go on up. So it's 51. Oh, wait a minute. My wife is here. 52 and under. 52 and under. Well, if I tell you we've been married for almost 32 years, you're gonna, you can do the math, okay? Uh, but anyway, this coming April, we will celebrate our 32nd wedding anniversary. What a blessing it is to how that God has blessed our, mem- uh, our marriage and just what great memories we've got over the years. And I, I did not raise my hand, but if I would have I said my marriage, I could have said my home, could have said my church. But I guess the greatest call beyond all the things you said, salvation, grace, mercy, uh, would be the call of God on my life to share his word with others. That's the greatest touch. Jeremiah chapter number 5 tonight. Uh, They put this little diagram on the screens behind me. And I do want you to listen to me tonight. I want you to hear me and hear me well. As the preacher has said, uh, I have no agenda tonight other than what God has put on my heart. I promise you that. I know nothing about you. I know nothing about your work relationships. I know nothing about your dating or your courtship rituals. I know nothing about your marriages. I know nothing. I, I, I really, I know nothing about Calvary other than I know your pastor and his dear wife, Miss Tammy. I know Brother Ricky and a couple others in here. Uh, but aside from that, I really know nothing about you. But I do know the Word of God. Amen. And I do know this, that the Lord has put this on my heart for this night. And I would invite you tonight to turn off your technical marvels, those little world of wonder that's in your pocket. And many of you probably have them in your hand. Or uh, You're going to find out as I preach this tonight that Uh, that may fall into the category of one of these things uh, that I'm about to share, and that is a trap. I would invite you to stand and uh, reverence the reading of God's Word. I've been listening in on your services when I could. I heard Brother uh, Simpson last night preaching on the plow, and I'm telling you what, if we ever need to drop the gospel plow, it's now. But in the latter day, the many years that I've been preaching, the thousands of messages that I've preached, the many revivals that I've been a part of, I find that in the latter day, we're dropping that, uh, that plow into a field now that is full of stumps. And, and a lot of times, you're plowing along, and you're full bore, and you're thinking maybe you're doing some good, and all of a sudden, that plow point will hit a snag. It'll hit a stump. It'll hit a rock. It'll hit something, and then it begins, it get, uh, begins to get very hard in the plowing. And I don't know if that's that way here, but at home, it seems like I preach. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm a preacher unlike you've ever seen. My dad called me an old-fashioned preacher, and that's all right. I take it as a compliment whenever he says that. Uh, But I'm honest with you. Sometimes I preach hard, and I preach against sin. And I use the Bible as a reference point, but it's almost like the principles and the, the basis that I'm preaching on become suggestions to the people. And that's not what I'm doing. I'm not, if I'm preaching on uh, cohabitation, which is another word for shacking up is what we used to call it. I'm not suggesting that you do that. I'm calling it what it is. It's a sin. But as you look over my shoulder and you see these little 
uh, traps on each one of these things. I've, I've got a visual tonight that we will share after that we use our scriptures tonight. And we will be responsible in the reading of God's Word. But like I said, I know nothing. I, I don't know you. don't know what you've been involved in. I don't know your work relationship. don't know where, what you're doing at school or on the back of the bus. don't know what you're doing, where you're doing it, whether you're hid out somewhere doing the things. That, but I'm telling you, you better listen to this message tonight. God has sent me. He gave me three messages. And I, I honestly, I agonize with God as much over this message as with any message since I've been in the ministry. Uh, and I had different visuals for each of the three messages that I would bring. And I'm going to be honest with you, I thought that I would be in the book of Revelation. Had, not, had no knowledge or foreknowledge that your pastor had just about ready to release a book on that. And I was full bore toward that message. And then the book come out. And it seemed like, well, they're already well-versed in the book of the Revelation. They understand that. But let me tell you, Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye have written the books called the Left Behind series. My friends, those are a fiction. Okay, I don't care if you read them or if you own them as long as you know that they're a fiction work. But they have sold over 80 million copies. 80 million copies in the hands of the Americans that are deceiving a lot of people into thinking that they're going to get saved when they want to get saved or just go into the revelation period and the tribulation. Bless God, we're pre-trib, we're pre-millennial, and we're getting out of here before the wrath of God. I thought we were going to go that way, but that's not what God did. Then I went to past judgment and future judgment, and I looked at the, the perpetual sign that God gave us. There's only one. There's no more talking donkeys of Balak. There's no more burning bushes. The only perpetual sign that we've got is that of the rainbow. And I, I was there, and I, I, that's it. I'm going to preach that. But man, I, God started working around in my heart, and here we are tonight talking about the snares of the devil. So tonight, if we were to title the message, Beware the Snares, or how you can avoid the traps of Satan. And I do want you to hear this tonight. Young people, I want you to hear this. Middle-aged men, I want you to hear this. And I'm telling you what, I know this goes out over the way of uh, live stream on the web, and I've got people that will probably hear it. I won't use names tonight, but I've seen great preachers. I've seen great pastors in my very life and in my family that have one time fell into a trap. And that ministry door, not by, them, not by any other reason but by the Word of God, that door of ministry was closed unto them. They're no longer pastoring, no longer into the same work that they did. Oh, they're still working for the Lord, but they're having to do it through different venues and different avenues. Why? Because of a, a trap that they come in. They have disqualified themselves from doing what God would have according to the Scriptures. So let's read our Scriptures tonight. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 5. And I want you to see this. And a lot of times, folks, we bring things on ourselves. I'm honest with you. If you don't believe that, you will by the time I leave. Scriptures tell us in Jeremiah chapter number 5 that your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withhold good things from you. Now, did that not say that we bring it on ourselves? It says your sins have withholding good things from you. That means that your sins have withholding good that means that you brought it on yourself the very next verse and I want you to hear this because this will come the text verse for the message tonight for among my people are found wicked men they lay wait as he that setteth snares they set a trap they catch men as a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. They are waxen fat. They shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? I'm going to ask Brother Jody Phillips, like I said, one of my deacons and dear friends, to take us to the Lord in prayer, ask God's blessing on this particular message tonight, Brother Jody, because I believe it for this people, for this night. I believe that with all my heart. Brother Jody.
good, brother. As the Lord unfolds this message tonight, and as you see the visuals and as you hear the message, I want you to do me a favor. I'm not your pastor, but I'm a pastor. I want you to search your hearts. Whether you're a church member or a visitor, whether you're young or whether you're older, whether you're male or female, whether you are married or whether you're not married, whether you're in a committed relationship or whether you're not, whether you're faithful to the church or you're not, whether you pray or whether you don't, whether you read your Bible or whether you do not. I want you to hear this with your whole heart. I told these men tonight that this probably will not be one of the shouting messages. Uh, if you were to say tonight, uh, Pastor, come back tomorrow night. Bring, me us, bring us one of those other messages. Brother, I, I would be honored, but I'm not trying to direct the thing. I would say that, that one of those messages, and I could have come down here tonight knowing that you guys are in the midst of revival and come down here and found some flowery scripture, uh, some kind of feel-good scripture, uh, something that would have left you walking away from here tonight saying we have been in the presence of glory. Uh, we have heard from heaven. We have seen the bow. We have done this or we've done that. But that's not the way God's directing God has sent us a message of uprightness of heart to cause us to be vigilant, to cause us to be sober, to be watchful, to be mindful. Why? Because we have an adversary. Whether you choose to believe that or not, we have an enemy. Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle against the darkness of this world. And each one of those darknesses in my heart and in my mind and the way that God is delivering this unto us tonight is a trap. It is a trap unto every single one of us. I want to read a couple of the verses of Scripture. My introduction will be longer than the message tonight, but just bear with me. In the book of Luke, in chapter number 21, verses 32 through 36 says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves. Now hear me well, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, uh, with drunkenness and with cares of life, so as the day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, I just alluded to it. The Bible says to be sober, to be vigilant, uh, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, are walking about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, and then we've got another passage of Scripture in the book of Joshua 23 and 13. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of the nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land uh, which the Lord your God hath given you. Now, I brought some traps to Tonight. I brought some things tonight as a visual illustration. And I don't know, uh, do, does anybody here know what a rabbit gum is? Does anybody not know what a rabbit gum is? Go ahead and raise your hand. Come on, Brother Chris, put your hand up. If you don't know what a rabbit gum is, a rabbit gum is nothing more than a man-made device uh, that is to trap a rabbit. And whenever I say that, listen, I'm not preaching traps. I'm going to use this. We're going to preach the Bible, and it's going to be so much Bible that if you take notes, you better get your pen out. Uh, but a rabbit gum looks kind of like a hollow log. And this is a homemade rabbit gum. Uh, this thing is built by one of my deacons. Uh, and as we look at this thing tonight, it's kind of a crude thing that looks like if you are a rabbit, what it would look like would be that of a hollow log. And what you do is, is you set this just like this, and you pull this thing down, and then you find a little place down in here, and we put this little trick down in here, and now you put this about where the rabbit would go. And whenever we put this where the rabbit would go, does rabbit automatically run back in there? No, there's going to be some reason for the rabbit to go in there. And as I start preaching this message tonight, you're going to see many different ways that Satan draws you into the traps of life. And once you get into one, of them, I 
promise you, whenever the rabbit goes in to get the apple, which I put in the back of this gum, he's going to go by the tripwire, and that's going to happen. Now, until that rabbit is let out of that gum, I guess what? That rabbit will be in that gum. He's not coming out of this. He's not going to get out of that, Brother Ricky, because he doesn't have the power to change this. I just broke the trap. But anyway, there it is. But anyway, uh, tonight, whenever you see these visuals and you see these things sitting around, whether you're on the way of the Internet or whether you're sitting here tonight, I just want you to listen because I want you to see, according to the Word of God, uh, in chapter number uh, 3 of the book of St. John, uh, that you're condemned uh, if you're in one of these traps and the Lord hasn't set you free, you're still in a trap. And, but He will set you free. Uh, the Bible says in the book of John, chapter number 8 and verse number 36, that if the Son of Man shall set you free, you're free indeed. Uh, Brother Pope, you're not getting out of this trap until somebody uh, that, put, uh, uh, that put this thing together can come by here and God put everything together, but Satan himself is the one that sets the traps. Uh, this stuff's out there, and this right here is nothing more than a coon trap. This is a cage trap, and uh, what we do here is we, uh, we'll take this little thing. I don't have a lot of room up here. Brother Chris, be my prop right here. Uh, hold that thing right there. And, and what we do here is we take this trap, and we raise this door up, and then we take this piece back here, Brother Jody. Uh, we put this right up in here. Hold that door up, Brother Chris. Give me just a little bit of slack. Now, wait just a second. Okay, go ahead and let it down. Now, what I do, well, it's already snapped. I'm not going, for sake of time, I'm not going to set the trap. Nobody's going to get into this unless somebody got one of their children to want to get rid of for a few minutes. But anyway, what you do on this trap, this is a visual trap, but it's also one that lets out the scent. We put a can of sardines right back here at the back. We just pop the top of the can of sardines. This little flap stays up. Mr. Coon goes in there. He walks across the footboard, pulls this down, and then, as you just saw, uh, this door slams shut. Guess what? Mr. Coon's not getting out of this trap. He's there, and I don't care uh, what you say. He's not going to get out of that, and that's a trap that's set. Now, I'm going to get into these things as we start preaching just a little while from now, uh, but there's many things that I want you to see tonight. Uh, some of them are in full view. Uh, how many of you in here ever turkey hunt? Anybody turkey? You got any turkey hunters in here? Y'all don't do much down here. What do y'all do? Sit around and watch TV? Yeah, get out more often. But anyway, if you go turkey hunting, there's a lot of times, Brother Steve, they'll take a turkey. They'll take a hen turkey out there. And then the deer hunters, he's all camouflaged up. And he's got his 12-gauge full bore out there. And Brother Jody, he's sitting around going, and the turkey comes out to the edge of the woods, and what's he see? He sees the hen gobbler that you've got out there. Now, listen, that hen gobbler that's nothing more than a piece of plastic is stuck out there about 20 yards from where you're hid, uh, and when you keep clucking, uh, old Tom Turkey keeps a coming. Why? Because he's attracted to the sound uh, of the... And as you keep doing that, old Mr. Tom, he starts a gobbling. He starts a strutting his stuff. And then the scriptures start coming to mind about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He starts looking, and he starts thinking, oh, how good it would be to be with that hen. And knowing good and well that he got a hen back at the house, he got a hen back yonder he can go back to. Oh, but he, she keeps on clucking, and he keeps on a coming. And the next thing you know, brother, he find out that ain't nothing but a hunk of plastic. And then next thing you know, he's a dead Tom. Oh, why? Because the hunter that's hitting himself blows that thing's head off. Uh, let me tell you, uh, you need to be wary. Uh, you need to be watchful. You need to be sober. You need to be looking uh, because some of these things, uh, uh, that lady that says the things that your wife no longer says, uh, that man that says the things that your wife no longer, your husband no longer says to you, are you too married? Uh, can I use you? No, I ain't going to use mine. I got to go home with her. Uh, but honey, there's somebody at work that'll come by and, and he'll tell you, honey, I want to tell you something. Uh, your hair looks really good today and that's all that it is and he goes on his way. He doesn't come back by. He didn't even know you got it cut and the next thing you know the next day or two comes by and he said honey did you do something different? Is your makeup different? And the next thing you know well, my husband didn't even notice that. And next thing you know you got contact lens that changed the color of your eyes. You didn't even know it and next thing he know, and next thing you know he's telling you the flattering words and everything that he doesn't and the next thing you know he's already got himself the cluck 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 and next thing you know, you're starting to listen to that. And the next thing you know, honey, you're right smack dab in the middle of a trap. Now, let me tell you about some of the traps that uh, the devil's got. And we'll get into that just a little bit. Uh, some of them are full. Uh, this, you don't hide this. Uh, this is attracted. Uh, you put an apple in the back. You put a can of sardines in the back of that. And I'm telling you what, uh, Satan knows exactly what you're going to be looking for. Uh, Satan knows what you're going for. And that's what he'll do. Uh, but all traps are not like that. All traps are not full of attractive sense and uh, uh, 
God, the different things that would attract. But we'll get into that as we keep going. Like I said, the introduction is going to be way longer than the message tonight. <clears throat> but I want you to know the devil, take, the devil takes different traps of different sizes. Now, some of y'all thought this was a redneck doorbell. Now, this is not a redneck doorbell. We could paint this thing red and say, Ricky, push here. Oh, Ricky, push there. Uh, we'll hear you. Okay. That's the doorbell. This is a bear trap. And if I were to put this thing down here and get somebody, I could stand on both sides here and get Brother Ricky come down there and we could set that pin on this flip. And the next thing you know, you said, what's that thing for? Uh, that's to keep it whenever Mr. Bear's running off through the woods and he can't run very far because he's going to get hung up and then the hunter's going to come and he's going to kill him. But anyway, Amen. every one of these traps that I've got laying around in here are for different critters. Yeah. All of them are different sizes. All of them have different mechanisms. Every one of them work in the same way, though, in that they ensnare whatever it is that's being trapped. Now, I'm going to a several places in here tonight, and like I said, I just want you to hear me and hear me out. We're going to start off in the book of Genesis, and we're going to walk kind of through the Scriptures tonight. I'm going to preach about three different things that you can look for in your lives as far as concerning the traps. Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3 is a leg snare. Genesis chapter number 3 is a hidden trap. Genesis chapter number 3, it's the trap that it's not visual. I guess it could have been visual because... Eve saw that, and it was good to look upon. The tree was good for food. It was, it, I guess it could fit all the manners of the, the traps that I'm talking about. But I want you to see how Satan used it. The Bible said in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 1 that the serpent was more subtle than, all the, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Yea, not, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. I see you say, what's that all about, preacher? I want you to see what that word was. The word is subtle. And when you get into the word subtlety, subtlety simply means by craftiness or by cunning means. It is sneaky or by sleight of hand. And what that means is this. Uh, these traps that are leg traps, it means that these don't go, uh, they don't have any attractive sin at all. Uh, these traps are made uh, that I just put this where you go. I, I just go and put this trap where you frequent. If you are one that would go to the places of the world and, and you go there long enough and you go there steady enough and you don't waver, uh, brother, you're going to get into one of them things once in a while. Uh, why? Because Satan knows that you're going there. Satan knows you're doing that and the next thing you know he's put a trap right in your path that just goes in the walkway of the animal that's all that trap is for it goes in the walkway of the animal uh, that's the man that don't know how to go home at the end of a long day he'd rather go down to the bar he'd rather go over there and see this person or go see that person he'd like to have the company of another young woman knowing good and well he's got a wife at the house and I'm going to be honest with you my friends if you get into one of these traps you're not getting out of that trap except that there be some harm and the devil will use the subtlety of this. Uh, Satan put a question mark uh, right where God put a period. Uh, and that's what he did. At the end of that verse, it said it's got a question mark on it. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, to make matters worse, it does not matter if you believe it or not. The Bible said it and that settles it. A lot of people will say that. Uh, the Bible said it, I believe it, and that settled it. No, the Bible said it and that settled it. It's up to you whether you believe it or not. Uh, so whenever we get into this, <coughs> churches, uh, it's not just individuals, but churches that can fall into this trap as well. Uh, whenever a trap comes your way, what did Satan start with? And the subtlety of his trap was this. He questioned the very word of God. And Brother Ricky, once the church starts questioning the word of God, starts changing it to a different version, uh, starts changing the music, uh, get you a set of drums, uh, do this and do that, uh, the next thing you know, you have changed uh, uh, the whole format of your church. And brother, once you change the dynamic of the word of God, uh, what you're doing is you're changing God. Why? Because the Bible said in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And what? The Word was God. And if you change to try to change the Word of God, in essence what you're saying is this. I want to change God. Why? Because I'm not happy with what God has put upon me from His book. Listen, this book, and we were not saved to go sin, but we were not saved and put in bondage. We were saved from sin, but bless God, we were set free. And bless God, if you really get saved... You won't be in the traps, and you'll be watching for the traps. 
people fall into these traps whenever they start renaming sin. As I opened up with, I said, what used to be called shacking up is cohabitation now. They used to call homosexuality by different names. And I know this is going on the web and it's not popular. But homosexuality is still an abomination inside of God. They used to be called queers or used to be called lesbians. They used to be called sodomites. That's right from the very word of God. The word Sodom, I mean, it comes from the Bible. I'm not changing it, but now it's just an alternative lifestyle. It's just a different way of love. Let me tell you, the Bible says that it's wrong and it's wrong. And people get into that and what they do, brother, they step into a trap and that trap will ensnare them. We've had people in our very own church that have been delivered delivered from homosexuality. They've been delivered from this stuff, Brother Jody. Don't tell me that once you get into that trap that you can't be set free because I know good and well that you can. The subtlety of the message, the subtlety of the, uh, the word, the subtlety of everything that Satan does is by cunning devices and means. He's crafty. He's sneaky. And that's what he'll do. He'll just put it right where you go. He'll put it right where you go and the next thing you know, you've stepped in it. I've got a nephew that's a big trapper. He traps everything. He traps beavers and coons and minks and weasels and coyotes and foxes. He's a big trapper. And I always wondered how he has the knack to do that. He's got pictures, hundreds of pictures that he's got of these animals that he catches or, or traps. And I'm thinking, man, he's got a knack for that. Probably one of the best modern-day trappers I know is my nephew. And I'm, I'm being serious about it. I'll give you his Facebook. Look him up. He's got pictures of bobcats and everything. But I know a greater trapper. And he is a deceiver of men. He's cunning. He is subtle. And he's crafty. And he knows what it's going to take to ensnare you. He knows what it's going to take to get you into one of these traps. If it were possible, if it were possible, I could catch Cindy Hall in this box trap by putting these in the back and leaving them long enough. She loves chocolate. Honest to goodness, I, she would probably claw into the trap if the trap wasn't even set just to get to that. You say, why? Because I know that she loves chocolate. But Satan knows what you love. Amen. Satan knows your desires. He knows that your flesh wasn't saved to start with. He say, is this Bible or is it not that Paul would say, the good that I would not do, that I end up getting into. In Romans chapter number 7, that that I should do, I don't. And that that I shouldn't do, I do. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? My God, it takes the Lord Jesus Christ to set us free from this. So the first trap is a means of subtlety. It's just so subtle you don't even realize it's happening Amen. until you're already too late. I can only imagine the fear that when one of those things snaps down on a leg of an animal or the door clangs shut from the animal after it goes in. I've seen people that got caught right up in the midst of an affair. I've seen young people that the scared look on their face when they have to tell their pastor, don't want to tell mom and daddy, but they, that they're pregnant. And once that comes out and that trap door has already slammed shut, then I'm going to tell you it's going to take a great amount of grace. It's going to take grace on account of mom and daddy's part. It's going to take grace on the part of the church to receive that young child that was conceived in iniquity and love on that young girl that's no longer, that's not married and no longer chaste and she's no longer pure and it's no longer hidden. Why? Because she's got a baby bump that's four months old and Brother Chris, there's no hiding it now. The trap was sprung and bless God, she got caught and the little boy that uh, got her pregnant, he's nowhere to be found or maybe she don't even know who he is and I'm telling you what, uh, you don't think uh, that the fear that comes in that same trap that the animal, when they heard that door shut, you don't think that that same fear comes into the heart of a young girl? You don't think a 16-year-old boy that just impregnated some girl when he starts finding out that now he's going to have to buy Similac or now he's going to start buying diapers, now he's going to have to start having bi-weekly visitation and all this. That'll strike fear to anybody. Same as it would if a father 
has a loving wife at home. And the next thing you know, his wife found out about the illicit affair. Or the husband found out about his wife's affair because she listened to the lies and the tricks and the subtlety of the devil. And all of a sudden now, they're split up. Children over here for a week, children over there for a week. Everything changes whenever the trap door slams shut. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to somebody tonight I don't know. You said this is not even a revival message. It's what God sent. Take it up with him. So it, sometimes it'll be so subtle you won't even know. This box trap over here is a box trap of sensuality. You said what so or how so? When that trap was set, I showed you there earlier, it's got some kind of an attracted in it. It's put in full view. There's no leaves draped over it. Nothing is hiding it. It's in plain view. And there it is. But something enticed, something begged. The word sensual means this, or sensuality means this, appealing to the fleshly desire of, catering to the appetite of the carnal. That's exactly what Satan does. Our brother Steve, he caters to the appetite of the flesh. He appeals to that which is sensual, and he will put that right in the midst of a trap. And the next thing you know, and I've got many scriptures I'm going to use, and I'm going to run down them very quickly here in just a moment, and I want you to see this. And when I start bringing these biblical characters into it, you'll start to realize very quickly whether it was a full-view trap or whether it was a hidden trap, whether it was in the way that he goes, or the way that he was enticed to go. A lot of people go by the way that they just go. But a lot of people aren't enticed and they're, they're, they're begged or they're pleaded, they're prided, they're invited to go a certain direction. And by going that way, they end up in a trap. Listen, men, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23 through 28. I want you to read there. Flip with me just a moment. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 23 through 28. And I know this live streams on Facebook and other places. This will not get this preacher many invitations to preach anywhere. But I didn't come down here for an invitation to preach anywhere. I came down here because a dear friend of mine in the ministry uh, was put upon my, I, I was put upon his heart to come down here and share. And he didn't tell me what to preach. He didn't give me a background of his young people. He didn't give me foreknowledge of the couples that may be struggling. He didn't do any of this. But I'm telling you, uh, the problems that I face up at Calvary are the same problems he faces at this Calvary and that any other preacher faces. There's traps that are being set by Satan. And by God, we need to wake up and realize that we're in trouble. We're in trouble as a nation. They ban cigarettes from the TV. I don't care if you smoke or not. I'm not preaching against them or for them. But they ban cigarettes from off the TVs. So you can't show that. That's killing people. But yet alcohol... Every major sporting event, every event on there is just covered in alcohol, in the advertisement. Brother, they show people, young people, half-naked people. They show people frolicking, and they show people happy, and they show people uh, just running toward each other and embracing one another and loving on one another. And alcohol, oh, it just brings everybody together, whether it be social drinking or parking. Brother, they won't show you the four-car pileup down the road when a drunk man, inebriated, has lost all of his inhibition and he lost control of the car and took out a family of four when they were on their way home from a revival. Now let me tell you, that person fell into a trap Amen. by thinking that alcohol was okay. It's a trap. It's a trap. Going back to where I told you to turn, this goes back to the young lady and the young man over here. There's a stern warning here. This is an enticing thing. You've heard of pheromones and you've heard of hormones. Women's perfumes now are supposed to cause the man to be attracted. I probably got on something tonight. I don't know what I've got on. Probably polo because that's what my wife loves. She goes polo green, polo blue, polo black, polo red. She just likes polo. It, it, she likes it. Women wear fragrances to attract men. We part our hair just right to look, to look good for our women. We address, each, we address each other as husband and wife, and we love each other, but there are certain things she likes, certain things I like. We try to do that which appeals to the other. 
And if you're not careful, you've got somebody that's doing something to appeal to your wife. And if you ain't real careful, somebody got something appealing to your husband. Proverbs chapter number 6, verse number 23, says these words. For the commandment is the lamp, the law is the light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of of life. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with thine eyelids. How many of you ever seen anybody do this? By the way, you've got pretty eyes. Use them wisely. Man, that's a trap. It's a trap. Brother Ricky, you're you're sitting there and you're all tensed up and some lady comes by and says, Boss, you look tense. Next thing you know, she's caressing your neck and the next thing I know, you're in a trap. I'm telling you, be careful with these things. The little boy at school, young girls, he says, Oh, I love you. I love you better than anybody. I love you better than gummy bears. I love you. Don't you believe him? Be careful. I'm not diminishing puppy love. I've had puppy love. I've had crushes. I've had crushes on girls, and they had crushes on me, and then they crushed me. I call them crushes for a reason. But he'll flatter you, and he'll flatter you, and she'll flatter you. If you love me, you will. You will what? You'll do what I ask of you. Please, I love you. I want to stay with you, but if you don't, I won't. I won't stay with you. I'm going to go on. I'm going to move on. Let me tell you, honey, don't fall into those traps. There are traps. There are traps. There are traps. I'm warning you tonight. There's traps. Those traps of sensuality. They're put in full view. And as I go through this thing in just a little while, you're going to really see what I'm preaching about tonight. And it'll come full circle here for you in just a minute. The third trap, the first one being of subtlety. The second one being of sensuality. But the third one, and and they're all equally troublesome for us. But the third one really gets me. It bothers me in the ministry. It bothers me way down deep as a pastor. It bothers me way down deep as a husband. It bothers me way down deep as a daddy of daughters. It bothers me in so many ways. And that is this of the sinister nature. These sinister traps. Brother, this is the one that is for no other purpose. Now listen, I am a hunter. But I kill what I eat. I eat what I kill. I do. If somebody caught, I got it backward. But I eat it and then kill it. I kill it and then eat it. I don't go out just killing things for the sport of killing things. I have no need. But that is almost sinister to see something way out there and you think, well, I can take that thing's life. But let me tell you, Satan is a master and he is the one that will set the sinister trap. And here's the definition of the word sinister. Sinister means relating to evil or deceit for the purpose of causing harm or destruction. That's pure sinister nature. Now let me just preach for just a few minutes on some of the things that God has put in my heart. And we're going to go right down through here. I want you to go in your mind to the Bible and think of things and think of people that either saw a trap and avoided the trap or yet saw a trap and ended up in one of them. There was a king by the name of Ahab that could have had anything that he so chose except for one thing. He was told that he could not have the vineyard of a man by the name of Naboth. And that wasn't his to give away. He said, that belonged to my forefathers. It's an inheritance. If you read the Bible, uh, Naboth couldn't sell it if he wanted to. And that was an inheritance unto him. Naboth said, I can't give it to you, O king. The king said, but it's over here next to mine, uh, next to my garden and I'll give you a better vineyard if you'll just sell me yours. Let me tell you what. King Ahab set himself up in a trap and you know what happened? Naboth, you said, well, Naboth lost his life. Ahab lost his life, as did Jezebel. But what he did is he come in and that was a trap of sensuality. Why? Because he comes in all pooch-lipped looking over at Jezebel saying, Naboth won't give me his vineyard. Naboth won't give me his... Hey, she said, well, I'll take care of that. Naboth's vineyard you want? Naboth's vineyard your God. It cost Naboth his life but bless God that trap was sprung Ahab lost his life. Jezebel lost her life and the whole crew ended up in trouble. Look at Achan. 
Jericho has fallen. The walls have come down. Uh, Joshua marched around it, and then the walls come down. They were told not to take anything nor touch of the accursed, but there was one man that fell into a trap. His name was Achan. Achan saw the Babylonian garment. He saw it. Brother Ricky, it was in the trap. He saw it. He saw the shekels of gold. He saw the shekels of silver. And he said, i got to have that. And the next thing you know, he took it for himself. And he hid it in the midst of his tent. And you know what, Brother Jody? That trap door slammed shut on him. They went down to Ai. And 36 of them were slaughtered. All because of one man by the name of Achan. It didn't just cost him. Did it just cost Achan? You better read your scripture again. It did not just cost Achan. They took him, his wife, and his children down to the valley of Acor and stoned them all down there. I'm telling you, when you end up in a trap, it won't just affect you. It'll affect Calvary Baptist Church. It'll affect your family. It'll affect every single one of us. Oh, Judas, did he not get in a trap? He saw the miracles. He was with the others. He was with Bartholomew. He was with Peter and James and John whenever he was cleansing lepers and he was healing blinded eyes and blind Bartimaeus could uh, see again and the widow's uh, son at Nain was raised and uh, Talitha Kumai, which is my daughter, arise, comes off of her deathbed. He saw the widow woman. He saw this, uh, the man with the leper. He saw all these miracles. They, Judas saw 10, 000, uh, 5,000 fed. He saw the, bag, the baskets and the fragments of 12 full uh, whenever the feeding was over with. Judas saw all that, but Judas... The Bible said, held the money bag. That become a trap. You said, can finances or money become a trap into somebody? You better believe they can. You better believe they can. The Bible tells us whenever the alabaster box of ointment was sold that one of the disciples, the other scripture don't tell, but John does. John don't care to tell it. The other scripture said that, why wasn't that sold? That money could have been given to the poor. The Bible said, Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. She'd done this for a memorial unto me. But the Bible said that Judas, that he was the one that said it, not that he cared, but that he held the money bag. He fell into a trap. You say, well, what happened? You read on. Judas went out and hung himself, and next thing you know, he's in the potter's field. He's there, brother. The the bowels gushed out. He fell into a trap. Money got him. You said, preacher, there ain't no hope for us then. There is. Anybody read about a man by the name of Joseph? Hey, how about that young man? God bless Joseph. We'll go there in just a second to the book of Genesis, chapter number 39. Chapter number 39, the book of Genesis, verse number 4, the Bible said, Joseph found grace in the sight of God. He served him, and he he made him an overseer of his house uh, and all that he had been put in his hand. Verse number 7 said, It came to pass that after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon him. That goes back to the flattering tongue and the flickering of the eyes. And the Bible says she cast her eyes upon him. In verse number 7, and she said, These words lie with me. Uh, But he refused. Why? Brother Jody, he saw it for what it was. He saw it as a trap. He said, I'm not going that way. I love my master too good, and I love my God even more. Look what it says. Read on with me. Uh, The Bible said, but he refused, and he said to his his master's wife, Behold, my master, he wanteth not what is, uh, and is with me in this house. He hath committed all that he had into my hand. There's none greater in this house than I. Uh, Neither hath he kept anything back from thee, uh, but, but, but anything back. But thee, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spoke with Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about that time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was a none of his men of the house there. And she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. He recognized that as a trap. Now the Bible says that there's no temptation taking you such as common to man. Uh, but whenever that temptation comes, what does he send with the temptation? Uh, Brother Steve, the Bible said that he sends us a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 
I bless God when the temptation comes. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is seeing the apple in the back of the trap, yet not going in the trap. Temptation is seeing the wickedness of the world or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, but saying, I'm not going that way because I'm not going to sin against my master nor my God. It's recognizing that the trap is set and not going in. You say, well, he did get in that trap because he ended up in prison where he met the baker and the butler. He ended up in there where he ended up in prison and made it all the way to... That was the providence of God. He wasn't in a trap. He got out of the trap. You said, but he ended up in prison. That was all providential act of God. Why? Because God needed somebody to become the second in the land to put over the grain, to disseminate it that all the children of Israel might have salvation because of the famine. Brother Ricky, that was providence of God. That was Romans 8, 28 back in the book of Genesis. There's no Hebrew boy going to walk up to the Pharaoh and say, hey, put me over all this grain. I got a bunch of millions of my people coming down here to get some of it. I want to get in on this and I want to give your grain to my people. No, he made his way through the prison to the palace that he can then do that. But before he did that, he noticed that there was a trap set and he avoided that trap. There's so much that I could preach on tonight. So, so much. Going back to the sensuality trap. At the time that kings go to war, in the evening hours, there was a king by the name of David. Maybe you've heard of him. Is that a trap or is that a trap? The sluggard nature of David, he should have got up. It was late, way late in the evening. He didn't go to the war like he's supposed to. He walks out on the roof, no doubt, kind of musing over what's going on, maybe thinking about a battle, thinking about the, well, the heat of the battle, thinking about whatever's going on. And there's Bathsheba. Brother, that's a trap. Satan appealed to the very thing that David loved, beauty and women. David said, who is that? And I don't have to go that way, but I'll tell you this. David said, bring her over here. That was a visual trap. There was nothing hidden. It was in full view. Everything about that spoke unto David. And David should have said, I can't do that. I belong to my God. My God is in my heart. And next thing I know, David has committed sin with Bathsheba. And bless God, it's just like uh, the trap was set and the trap was sprung. That trap cost death. I saved the little trap for last. This is the smallest of all the traps. Do you realize that you could come up here tonight and Brother Ricky, if it were possible, I'm not going to do it because I don't want nobody hurt. But if we stepped on this and we set that thing, it's possible that any one of your kids could come up here tonight and step on that. That thing going to spring clothes on their ankle, probably breaking bones as it does. And they're going to be up here and they're going to start crying and bemoaning the fact that they're in a trap. I could set any one of these traps up here and do the same thing. You could come up here and if it were so, Brother Ricky, this thing was big enough or Brother Pope, if it was big enough to get in that and that door slam behind you. You could bemoan, how in the world did I get in this thing? You men can do the same thing at work. You can do the same thing on a date, young boys and girls, young men and women. How in the world did I get into this trap? But I told you about a man by the name of David. David got in what is called a death trap. You said, well, David didn't die because of that. Look at the lives that started to fall. There was a prophet by the name of Nathan that comes to David's house and told David the story and said that, David, you're the man. And later the baby died. Bathsheba had conceived a child. But long before the baby died, death had already entered the ranks. You see, David said, who, who was that? That's Uriah's wife. He's a captain of your guard, king. Bring him home. Go down there and act like that's your baby. Be with your wife. But Uriah was so dedicated to the king, he said, wait, my men's out on the field. I'm not going to go be with my wife. Nobody else gets to be with theirs. I'm going to stay with you, king. Couldn't get him, got him drunk, sent him down there trying to make it look. He said, couldn't kill him. Send him to the forefront of the battle. When you get him up there, withdraw from him. That's death. That's a death trap. Then the baby died. 
Nathan said, the sword will never depart your house. See, David was firmly in a trap. Firmly. David had a fair daughter by the name of Tamar. He had two sons by the name of Amnon and Absalom. The story goes that Amnon raped Tamar, act like he was sick, made up a story. John and Dad said, just act like you're sick. Your daddy's the king. He won't withhold anything from you. Tell him to send your sister in here. Godly counsel would have said, brother, you're sick. You got a problem you're wanting to be with your sister. It was his half-sister, but nevertheless... Absalom rose up and slew Tamar, uh, slew Amnon. Death. You see this little thing here? When this thing slaps, you're not getting out of that one. Brother, that's the end of the line for that one. You said, was that a hidden trap? That was a full view trap. It was baited with a little piece of peanut butter. Or cheese, maybe extra sharp. And the, the trap was set. And it was set not only where the mice go, but it was set in the place that the mice go with an attractive scent on it. But that is a death trap. Now, I wonder how many funerals that your pastor has preached. I wonder how many more I will have to preach. I've got people at my church that mix the deadly cocktail of prescription pain pills with alcohol. And I've had to stand across the front of the church and tell people that they are gone and that it was an accidental overdose or whatever the means might be. Brother, they got into a trap and that trap was whenever they mixed the deadly combination, whenever they got in the car after they'd been inebriated and they were intoxicated drinking too much and the devil said it was fun. The devil painted a good picture. But Brother Steve, they go down the road and they go off and hit a tree and they're dead. There's no time for repentance. There's no time uh, to, uh, for anybody to open the door. My friends, the Bible said in the book of John chapter 8 that if the Son of Man shall set you free, the only way you're getting out of this is if somebody sets you free from this. The only way that any of us will be delivered from these traps is if the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, comes and sets us free. But my friend, are you going to take a chance on just being one that you can get out of? Or are you going to take a chance on one that won't have anything but its consequence? We all quote Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, do we not? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I had so many people I wanted to mention tonight. I mentioned Judas and Achan and Ahab. How about Ananias and Sapphira? You said that they got into a trap. What got them into a trap? Money. You said, well, money wasn't really, no, the line to the Holy Spirit. It's what cost them. Oh, they got to lusting after the money. And they kept back a portion of the price. And Ananias said, yay for so much. He said, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And then the the footman took him out. Then they come to Sapphira's wife. Did you sell for so much? Yay for so much. Why? Why did you even go that way? That was a trap. Every single one of us tonight, whether it be by subtlety, Satan get in your court and telling you that it's okay. By cunningness and crafty means and measure, lies to you, tell you, it's okay. It'll be okay. Just go with me. Go with the flow. Very subtle. Very crafty. The Bible said he was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. Very cunning in his devices. Sell you a snowball in Alaska. I'm telling you, Brother Ricky, so crafty and cunning. My question started off by questioning the Word of God. Did Preacher Pope really mean that? Well, he had scripture to back it up, but is it really, can it literally be interpreted that way? Is this thing, is it literally that way or is there some other, maybe that's just an allegory. Maybe it doesn't really mean that. It's just kind of implied. And maybe Pastor Pope was wrong. Maybe Pastor Pope was right. And maybe the scriptures meant what it meant. And maybe you, in the subtle deceit of Satan, hath got into one of these traps. Maybe it was of the sensual. Nature, the sensational, beautiful, lustful flesh that you just can't hardly give into. And listen, it doesn't have to be literal. Pornography, one of the greatest tools of Satan, robbing homes of joy, robbing people, robbing, I'm mean, talking about, and you're in a trap. How do you get out of that? You better let the Lord let you out. 
I'm telling you, my friends, I know this is not popular tonight. I really know that. I've got one more place before we close, and I want you to see this. And I, I, I didn't realize it was after 9 already, but we're going to close really quick. Go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 16, very quickly. Judges, chapter number 16. We're going to close this thing out here very, very shortly. I want you to read about a man by the name of Samson. My friends, if he wasn't in a trap, if he wasn't in a trap, he lost his fellowship with God, didn't even know God was gone. He did. Brother, the Bible said he got up and he flexed himself as he had aforetime and wist not that the Lord had departed from him. Didn't even know that God had departed. I'd hate to be living so loose. I'd hate to be living so reckless and careless with my testimony that God could remove himself from me and the Holy Spirit could be gone and may not even realize it. Oh, how I need to live closer than I do. Here he is. You talk about the high price. I'm talking about the high price of a cheap haircut. Samson paid it. He not only lost his fellowship with God, he lost his freedom because they come and bound him. Brother Chris, he didn't just lose his fellowship with God and the freedom. Man, he lost everything. But here he is, and I want you to see this. If you think that Satan will leave you alone, honey, it's over and over and over and over and over. Satan comes to you just over and over and over. Did you hear as it was with Potiphar's wife and that of Joseph? Over and over. She said, lie with me. Day by day, she said, lie with me. Day by day, lie with me. Joseph kept resisting and Joseph kept resisting. Joseph avoided that. Not so with Samson. Look here at Samson. The Bible says, verse number 15, How can thou say that I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times. Three times. And it's not told me where in thy great strength. And it came to pass when she did what? She pressed him daily. Brother Steve, it was every day. Every day, day by day by day. Listen, some of you men work with women. That day by day. Some of you women work with men that day by day, by day by day. They're always inundating you with the flattering words. Always telling you what you want to hear. I'm telling you what. My wife knows this to be a fact. People can falsely accuse you. And they will tell you things. You better guard your testimony. I don't know this to be a fact, but it was said of Billy Graham that he would put a guard sometimes outside of his room that nobody would sneak somebody in. Why? Because even to abstain from the appearance evil was something that was at the frontlet of his eyelids and the frontlet of his heart. He didn't want to ruin his testimony. Why? Because somebody could sneak something in on him. He's in a trap. Samson, he said, the Bible said that Delilah pressed him daily with her words and urged him. And you know the rest of the story. Verse number 20 down there. The Philistines come upon thee uh, and Samson and he awoke out of his sleep and he said, I will go as the other times before. Shake myself. Listen to these sad, sad words. He wist not that the Lord was departed from him. They put him out there grinding, gouged out his eyes. I'm telling you what, my friends, when that trap slams, it's going to tear your family up. If it tears your family up, I guarantee you it's going to affect this church. Miss Cindy, how many times have we seen it, honey, whenever a family had to leave? And we ask, why did you leave? Where are you at? Well, we can't come there anymore. Ask yourself, you know some of them. She's still here, but he's gone. He left and took his son, but there's, it's broken. It won't just tear the family apart. It'll tear the church up. It'll come inside the walls. You know what else it'll do? Brother Ricky, it'll keep the lost lost because they're looking at you. Brother Steve, I love you with all my heart. I do. I think you and Miss Tammy are just some of the greatest people I know. But you let that get out that you've been cheating on Miss Tammy. Every marriage conference that you've ever hosted for Brother Moore or Brother Cardwell or anybody else, every revival you've ever preached, every soul that ever got saved under your ministry, not that you saved them, but whenever you were there and you preached the message, you know what that does to those people? It puts a question mark around their faith. It puts a question mark around what you told them. Uh, God, guard your testimony, Brother Pope. Guard it. Why? Because there are traps out there that are set for you and they're set for me. You said no preachers are above it. I can't use names. Oh, how I wish I could just tell you, Miss Cindy, honey. Could we not use names? If we were to use names, you would understand that I'm telling you the truth. 
I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Beautiful young lady. So I need to talk to you. I'll say, well, my wife and I will meet you. Well, I just wanted to talk to you. My wife and I are one. The Bible teaches that. My wife and I are one. We'll, talk, we'll meet with you. Okay. We'll meet the three of us. It's going to be that way. You said, you mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't meet in private, but Miss Cindy's going to be right out the door. The door's going to be open. Amen. Preacher, it's got to be that way. Why? Because Satan has traps for us. Satan has traps. One of the greatest accomplishments in my ministry has just been fulfilled two weeks ago this past Saturday. Or a week ago this past Saturday. My youngest daughter got married. Both of my daughters are married. And you know, brother, my testimony, my wife and our testimony has been on that hook of raising godly teenage daughters, knowing that there's teenage boys out there. Miss Cindy has guarded our flock. I'm telling you why she's guarded our household, and she's done it well. My brother, y'all listen. That was a time whenever she would say, you're not going home. We're in Winston at a hospital visit where you're not going home. Y'all go to Walmart. Why can't they go home, preacher? Because me and mama's not there. Brother Ricky, that happened a yes, hundred times. If it happened once, you can go to his mom and dad. Are they home? Yeah, they're home. You can go there. Go there and watch TV with them. You can go there. Many times, my wife, and I'm the one, Brother Pope, would say, well, honey, we'll be home in 10 minutes. Cindy said, I don't care. I don't want them there alone. She'd say, go to Walmart. Go get a McDonald's shake. Go to cookout. You know what she was doing? Brother Ricky, she's guarding this preacher's testimony. She's guarding my ministry. Why? Because any way that you look at it, Brother Poe, my young daughter of 21, 22, she don't need to be at home with a 23 or 24 year. You said you mean you never left them alone? I'm saying that we guarded our children, that the chasteness and the purity had to be there or that this ministry of mine could have been tarnished and harmed for that. But that's not the only reason. I wanted her to maintain hers. I wanted her to be in love with God. I wanted her to have a testimony. And I wanted her to be pure. I wanted that. The greatest accomplishment was whenever I walked her down the aisle as a chaste girl. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that, that they didn't fall into the traps and the snares. You said you're bragging on your perfect children. They're not perfect. They're not perfect. I guarantee you they're not perfect. And I guarantee this daddy, this preacher, this pastor doesn't know everything that went on. But Brother Jody, we've tried our best to warn them about these traps to warn them about these snares all over the house tonight. I know, like I said, I won't win any Academy Awards with this tonight, but I have warned you tonight. Young girls, honey, God loves you. You are so special in his eyes. I promise you that. God loves you. Young men, guard yourselves. Don't get into that trap. I'm speaking one of authority tonight. I'm telling you, don't go that route. If we could get a Miss Tammy, I don't even know where Tammy went. She was playing the piano earlier. Miss, uh, I got a pianist coming. We get our choir leader up here tonight. Listen, you're welcome to come up here tonight to handle any of these traps. You can look at them. You can pick them up, and you can try to better understand what they're used for. But I will tell you this: it won't be a piece of iron. It won't be a little piece of a spring and a little piece of metal. It'll be a tool of Satan. It'll be a flattering tongue. It'll be a try this. It made me feel funny. See how it makes you feel. I don't know. I saw six fingers when I was only holding up two. I don't understand what it was doing, but man, this stuff's freaky. Won't you try it? Young people, listen to me. There's some stuff out there you try one time. You are hooked. There's a chemical dependency. There is a chemical dependency. There is a chemical dependency that gets in you, and you have got to have more of that. Preacher, I'm warning your people tonight. I don't know why, but we're warning you by way of a last night of a revival. The bases were loaded with Brother Blaylock and Brother Simpson, and I felt like I was going to come up here and strike out, but I'd rather strike out for Jesus than hit a home run for Satan. And on this eve of all hallows, Satan doesn't want me to warn you about the snares and the tricks of the devil. He doesn't want me to warn you. 
Satan would have rather me not be up here tonight on the eve of all hallows. But I'd rather you be here hearing about his tricks and his lies and his deceit and his snares, his subtlety, his sensuality, and his sinister means. That was nothing but sinister, what Delilah did. Why? Because she was working for the enemy's camp. That's sinister. What, what was the definition of sinister? To do it for no other reason but to cause harm or destruction. That's sinister. She wanted to know where his strength lies, that she might give that to her camp and destroy what God hath built up. All over the house tonight, don't know who I preached to. I know who I preached about. The only one. I'll go there real quickly. Roman, uh, the book of John, chapter number 8, verse number 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I want the Lord to set somebody free tonight. I want him to deliver you. I'd love for him to do it tonight. As we stand all over the house tonight, your pastor comes. Maybe pastor just stand right in front of the communion table. Your pastor knows you and you know your pastor. Maybe you'd just like to pray with him. Maybe you're already in a trap. Maybe you've seen the bait. Maybe you've seen the ways. And you just like to say, I want deliverance from that. How about it tonight? All over the house tonight, the invitation goes out. Preacher, my marriage is in trouble. Which one of you is in the trap? Both of you? One of you? Boy, my children are in trouble. Look for a trap. Get them to the Lord Jesus Christ as quick as you can. For among my people are found wicked.